Hey everybody, welcome to Leading from Afar, a podcast by remote leaders for remote leaders, aimed at sharing knowledge and experience to help make remote awesome within your companies. I'm Scott Markovitz. I was the first hire at Envision and helped build the foundations of the company for marketing, sales, product, operations, and pretty much everything between. I've also mentored and consulted with hundreds of early stage startups, including a bunch of remote ones. And I'm Tevi Hirshhorn. I've built and led design and product teams remotely, and I'm a longtime remote work evangelist. Each episode, we'll speak about hot topics, trends, and the future of remote work. We'll also interview some super smart leaders at all levels of remote teams and introduce you to new tools that can help you succeed as a remote leader. Everybody, thank you for tuning into another episode of Leading from Afar. I'm Scott Markovitz with my co-host and co-pilot, Tevi Hershorn. Tevi, I am assuming you saw the news from Google this past week of their decision to start pushing people back into the office later this year. Any thoughts about that to start off with? I think it's a difficult move. People probably got used to working remotely, and this is going to be a culture shock for people that have been spending a year at home. But I think some companies like it, some people like it. It'll be interesting to see how this progresses. I wonder if people might leave to go to a more flexible, remote-friendly environment. Curious to see what happens. Yeah, for sure. So today is our fourth episode in our series on the hybrid remote model and the future of offices. So today we are very happy and excited to be joined by Jessica Hayes. Jessica is the VP of People at Whereby. We'll call it the easier to use and browser-based alternative to Zoom. Before Whereby, she's led people teams across multiple different startups and companies. Jessica, usually the way that we start off is by introducing yourself a little bit and telling us a little bit about whereby. Yeah, sure. I think you did a pretty good job of describing it, although I do hate to use the Z word as a comparison. But we are a easy-to-use web-based video conferencing platform, but we also are an API. So if you're out there developing an app or a tool that needs some kind of video conferencing platform, rather than build that yourself, you can embed whereby inside your product and use that as well. So that's another big part of our offering. I have been with the team for about nine months, still fairly new, but I guess not actually in the grand scheme of things. Whereby was about 30 people when I joined and we're now about 120. So I'm actually an old hat in the team now. I'm Australian, you can probably tell from my accent, although I actually find Americans lately really get confused about whether or not I'm British. It's pretty soft. That's quite a lot of London, but I actually live in the Netherlands. I live in Amsterdam with my uh, fiance who is Dutch. That explains why. But yeah, I've been working in startups for the past like seven years in different size companies and have actually been working in remote first-ish companies for the last couple of years as well. So really enjoying watching, despite the travesty of COVID, the rapid changes in the ways of working that I have believed in for a long time. Thanks for sharing that. I'm curious, can you tell us a bit about the product for Whereby and how other than the API how it might be different than the Z word and other video tools out there and maybe why it might be more conducive to a remote culture. Yeah, a lot of people notice and talk about whereby is just how simple it is to use. It's a big call for us. It's completely in browser, so you don't need to download anything and you can just access it. So if you're a recruiter, for example, it's actually a really nice platform if you're interviewing candidates because there's not this pressure of downloading something, working out how to use it. You literally just click a link and you're in the room. But the other thing that's really nice, especially when you're thinking about remote first workplaces, is the way that we are set up when you have the product in your company is that every person has their own room, which is like their own little office. So you can knock on each other's doors and have meetings together, but it's also integrated with a lot of other tools. So you can knock on someone's door and then get a mirror board up together and talk through a mirror board at the same time doing different things. So it really is 
built around this idea about collaborating together in a kind of space rather than in a call, if that makes sense. It was a slightly different psychological concept. We really do want to start really building out this idea of your virtual space or your like virtual office. And I don't like saying that word, actually. I don't like saying virtual office because I think it has strange connotations. But the idea about having a place that you can set up that works for you, that other people can collaborate with you together is actually a big thing we're trying to focus on. So the story about whereby going remote was it due to COVID, pre-COVID, if you went before COVID, what was the feeling, the impact to the team and what are you looking uh, for going afterwards? So we've actually always been a remote first company pretty much since we spun out as our own company because we were a project inside a bigger telecom. So when we spun out, we became a remote first company. But for a very long time, despite the fact that we were remote first, we still had the vast majority of our team in Norway, which is where we were founded. I would say that we were a remote first company trying to be more of a remote kind of all remote company until probably around uh, my joining. And then we actually really could get the kind of pieces of work together that make that more possible. I think as you scale, there is a level of kind of attention to the ways you work together that wasn't quite there yet in terms of how to work together remotely that now has started to become a lot more matured. So yeah, always been remote first, but various levels of maturity, I would say. When we, we spoke weeks back and you had mentioned that Whereby is looking to potentially expand its office footprint, maybe post-COVID once uh, it's safe enough to be back in the office. We'd love to know what is leading the team to make that decision into expanding the office foot versus maybe companies are looking to actually reduce it. Yeah, I think the kind of clarification on that is at all of our offices, if we do have them, are share office spaces. We don't actually have an office where people are expected to go to. It's usually a shared space where we have a lease and you're welcome to go to it if you'd like to. We have two in Norway at the moment and we've unofficially got one in London. Team is pulled together and got one themselves. That is the place that we're thinking next of saying like, okay, we'll sanction this a little more and help the team by getting a better rate and a kind of location that helps them, I guess, a little bit more official. And then across various other parts of Europe, there are other members of the team who have started to think about similar things. Like maybe we could pull together and get a little office for a couple of months and in the US as well. We just want to make sure we're helping them if they do want to do that. But London's the real place that we want to like now officially start looking for a proper share space that's a bit more sanctioned than the current cobbled together plan that the team has built themselves. I'm um, curious, what is the driver around expanding your footprint? Is that because you're seeing that people want to get out and work in a space separate from their home or is it the company trying to draw people together in a physical location? What are some of the factors there? No, it's definitely not the second one. Mm -hmm. It's largely the first to be frank. I think. Lots of people have said this, and I don't think that I'm saying anything useful, but there's a very big difference between working remotely and working yeah, remotely sure. during COVID. And we aren't shy to that fact. At the moment, one of the things that our team loves about working remotely, and a lot of us have been working remotely much before COVID, was this idea that there is this kind of freedom to work from anywhere, this freedom to work from wherever you thrive and whatever that looks like for you. That actually is our mission. Our mission is to like enable people to work from wherever they thrive in the world. Now, at the moment, that's just frankly not possible like for a lot of us where you thrive is not at your kitchen table or with your five or six year old children running around asking you to do things with them during the day that's not where people are feeling like they're able to deliver their best work so we've recognized that enabling people to work from where they thrive right now might actually be an office for a bit and that's okay it doesn't mean we're abandoning our idea of remote working 
because our team is still distributed. We still have members of the team from Japan to California. It's just that some of our team have said, I really want to get out of my home at the moment because it's just driving me nuts. And I'm actually one of them. I recently got a little one room WeWork office down the road in Amsterdam because I was going cuckoo just looking out the same window every day. Neighbors had some renovations and I was like, I can't do this. I hear that. I had a neighbor in the apartment below us. They were playing drums. So having my kids home and my neighbor playing drums and I'm trying to work, that's really hard. <laughs> yeah, that's a joyful <laughs> situation to be doing spreadsheets or something in. Yeah. Or recording podcasts, I imagine. We've spoken in previous episodes about the purpose of the office changing, going from the old methodology of it's the place where you have to get work done, where you write your emails, where you call your clients, and shifting more to a place where you're doing team building and engagement, where you're doing collaboration. Do you think it's possible to be able to engage mm. your entire team when some are on site and some are, are off site? This is a, it's a tough question for me to put my head into, right? Because even when some of our team are on site at Whereby, some of them might be on site at three different places and they may be across three different teams. We don't have any teams that are all in one location. So that's not really a, a concern for us that everyone in the finance team is all sitting together working in the same office. I think the other thing is I worked at a company before where there were probably three, maybe four of the engineers and say it was a team of about 20 engineers. Right? They worked remotely, fully remotely. And they found it really difficult. The team tried really hard to embrace the remote working. They did all their stand-ups in Hangouts, but it still just didn't quite work for them. But then we had another team and the entire team was remote and it worked really well. And it was the exact same company. It wasn't like a structural problem. There was no systemic issue that was stopping us from doing this. It just was, I don't think you can do a half-assed version of it in one team or think that if you're not really consciously making these divisions in ways that people get work done, it's not going to come back to bite you. Is it possible to engage part of the office and on site and part of them off site? Yeah, I think it definitely is. But there are absolutely some circumstances in which people would say, oh, I tried this thing that you said was going to work and it didn't work for me. And then I asked them, what did you do? They say, we had three people who were working from Tel Aviv and then everyone else in the entire company is all together in Barcelona. Of course, that probably won't work because it's like a time zone issue. Although it's small, it's still enough to fudge with people, their calendars, and they've got their own thing going on. They're in two separate places and they're bunched together. I think that's another thing. If you have a whole team that's distributed around the world, they have this kind of push to communicate but if you have two peeps, groups of people in two locations working remotely it doesn't really work because they can just meet up for coffees in those locations or go to the office or go to a we work you're so right i think that's <laughs> the reason why scott and i are always nervous about people in embracing hybrid is because it, it can often lead to that setup where there are two locations and then you have two cultures and the people in one location don't talk to the other location and, and it becomes two companies and it's a very dangerous thing. You have to be intentional. Yeah. If you say that hybrid is, is going to be the way the company moves forward and then you see people coalescing around very specific centers and you're not intentional in your communication all the time, then you're heading down a dangerous path. I think there's some things that we do that kind of help push back on this. One of them is we push back on people making geographic choices at all. So we really fight very hard against any of our hiring managers making any kind of choices or suggestions about where geographically they'd like to hire people. Now we have one exception in our company at the moment, and it's an exception which 
the exec team and I spoke about for probably an hour whether or not we wanted to allow this exception and we decided to do it for our very junior members of our sales team and we tried everything we possibly can to hire them in and around London because that's where the current manager is. He just hasn't got enough capacity to manage a team and do sales. Sales is a notoriously difficult role for juniors anyways, a lot of rejection. Having someone there that can help support you is really valuable. So we said, okay, temporarily, you can have this focus geographically on people in London until you hire a manager who can be distributed that can then have their responsibility to try and keep this unified team despite time zones and all that kind of stuff. So we do have that exception. But then across the board, if someone comes to me for customer service, for example, and says, we want someone that can work in California, the question then becomes like, why do they need to be in California? Is it not, we want someone that's comfortable working this time zone? Because if it's a time zone thing, that doesn't need to be geographic. I can go back and visit my family in Australia and I actually really like doing my work in the evening. So I quite like working UK time zones in Australia, but I know a lot of my peers probably don't have the same feeling. So it doesn't make sense for us to cut out Australia from our options. Yeah, totally. That's really funny. I'm very similar. In Israel, I'm often 10 hours ahead of people in California or in the US, but I've always enjoyed working mm. evenings my time because then in the mornings I can go on hikes and I could do some adventures and photography stuff. Then with COVID, I could do homeschool yeah. <laughs> so with my kids. So it really worked out. Like I've always enjoyed evenings, but some people often look at geography and we're only speaking with people on this time zone. So I, I like that you're I not think, focusing. I think it's very much from the cultural aspect. Why is it, is it nice for somebody to be working eight o'clock in their evening until you know, three o'clock in their morning? But as the case said, some people, that's what they like to do, whether it's to make it easier for them to go hiking in the morning, whether it's uh, for the kids uh, to be doing homeschooling, or it's just because you're a night owl and that's the, the time you like. It definitely needs to be able to take a step back and saying, okay, for yeah. some people, it's going to be a cultural issue. That obviously should be criteria question number one. Is this a cultural issue for you? Do you like working in the middle of the night? If you don't, then this is not the role for you because we want you to be happy and we don't want to hire you. Just because you need a job, we want you to be comfortable and happy working at these hours. So definitely seems to me that's like a big culture issue that mm. uh, comes up with that. Yeah, I think there's also another thing, which it, I think it's a force of habit thing, right? Because we have a completely flexible approach to working hours, which means you can work whatever hours you want to work. And that is uniform across our company. Pretty much everyone takes whatever liberties they'd like to with it. We don't track it or anything, but I know that my team, for example, ebbs and flows in however they feel like working. What we say to our team is that that level of trust requires a certain level of responsibility on the other side. If you, for example, want to wake up at 11 a.m. in the morning, every morning, and start work at midday, and finish work at like 8 p.m., but someone in your team doesn't want to do that, you need to work together to try and find some mutual ways to work together. Maybe you need to do a stand-up at 10 a.m. on Thursdays and wake up a bit earlier, and then you can go back to your preferred routine every other day. You're an adult, you're a grown-up, you can work out what works for you and others in your team. And it actually works really well. Sometimes I have a meeting put in at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m., and I just come in a bit later or take a few hours off over lunch and go for a walk or do what I want to do. But then when we ask our hiring managers who say things like, I want to hire someone out of this time zone in California, like, why is the reason for that? And they're like, we need them to be up early in the morning and we need them to cross over with this time zone. I say, okay, what hours do you work when you're in New York? And they're like, I usually don't wake up until about four in the afternoon and work late. I'm like, so you aren't working your time zone. So what makes you think that Californians want to work to their time zone? They may want to wake up really early in the morning. It doesn't work that way. Once you're allowing flexibility, 
the whole time zone thing goes out the window to some degree because things totally. just happen with people. Totally. What else do you do at Whereby to help strengthen communication and, and maybe relationships in and out of the office? So I've got like kind of slightly controversial opinion on this <laughs> in that when I was younger and earlier years of my experience, I really loved going into the office because I really loved the social elements, right? This is also a personality thing for me. I just really loved the lunches together and if something was happening at work, you all got together and talked about it and went for beers in the afternoon, whatever. So I loved that whole heavily social element of work. As I have come further through my career and have more things going on outside of work, I actually don't really get a lot of energy out of those things anymore. I they actually I do socialize <laughs> with my colleagues, don't get me wrong, I want to sound very cold, but I don't seek those kind of experiences out anymore. And actually, I think a lot of our team are similar. They prefer the time to be spent with their family and their loved ones and having, you know, lunch with their partner and going out for dinner with their mother-in-law after work or going for a nice walk at lunchtime rather than sitting around a lunch table talking gossip about work. And for that reason, we've identified that actually we don't need to do that much socially for our team because they just don't really want it as much because it's just a different demographic of people. We do a social committee thing on Friday, but that's not a people ops driven initiative. It's very much a kind of social team initiative, but everything we do do to keep the team together is very work focused, to be honest. It's things like uh, team away days and retrospectives, working together on a big project piece of work where everyone's contributing asynchronously and sending each other loom videos to discuss something. I think for our demographic of people, we've never needed to have the virtual drinks. It's just not been something that we're interested in. We don't really do that kind of stuff. And I think people ask me all the time, like, oh, what fun things are you doing with the team? I think other, other HL leaders get a bit disappointed when I say, not really anything. Like, we've not really anything. Interesting. Well, I'll have to, to dig into that a little bit, but I think the point that you just made for me is the point on this topic. For one, people never wanted to go to the office. People wanted socialization. So you'd be just as happy working with friends and colleagues at a mm. co-working space, at a coffee shop, having that interaction, especially in the last year, being locked down for so many months, people just want that face-to-face -face interaction. And w the actual physical location isn't as relevant as the opportunity. But I was speaking my, with my wife about this before. The idea of you no know, ping-pong tables and the craft beer and the coffee thing and all that you know, nice, uh, wonderful stuff is being part of the culture is probably really great when you're maybe in your early 20s, you live in the city, like that's your life. You spent a good portion of your life in and around the office and that's the experience that you want. You want to be there a little bit late and drink a beer and play ping pong. But as you said, as you get older and you have responsibilities outside of the office, you have a family, you have other things, you turn the opposite. You want to get out of the office as early as possible because you probably don't live in the city. So you probably have a commute. You want to get home. You want to spend time with your family. You want to spend time with your kids or your cat, your dog, or, or, or all the things that you want to do outside the office. Those <laughs> cultural pieces of the ping pong table and the craft beer that were what people believe, still believe is the big attraction to office culture is no longer relevant because you're outside of that mode of things that interest you. So I, I love that point specifically. Yeah, I think it's true, right? When I remember distinctly, I used to work for Box and I was in the California office on a trip one time. I think it might have been my first trip there. The Box offices are awesome. They're really nice in Redwood City in California. I remember coming down after work at like probably 7 p.m. I was working late and the food hall was open. There was a few people like having 
drinks or playing pool or whatever they were doing, like hanging out. I remember thinking to myself like, wow, there just aren't really that many people here. You'd think there were way more because it's so awesome. Now, I can't even imagine hanging around Redwood City box office past 7 p.m. I want to go out and do other stuff. But at the time I was like, man, this is such an amazing place to be. I don't know why everyone isn't just hanging out here, which seems silly. I definitely think there's a big social element of it for sure. Uh, I think also for expats, if you're an expat or someone that's traveling for work, having an office is really nice. It takes the edge off the loneliness. I love traveling for work, but I myself can recognize when I've been traveling for a long time and just sick of having dinner by myself. It is nice to have some people around yeah. you. When I was traveling a lot pre-COVID, it was nice to walk into a WeWork in that sense because it felt familiar no matter what city I'm in. That is an element of having yeah. this ubiquitous brand or, or familiar feel anywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah, and everyone speaks English, which is yeah helpful if you're a native English speaker. Your Wi-Fi automatically connects. You know how to get a coffee. There's something nice about that in an otherwise extremely foreign circumstance. Yeah. That's probably 100%. already quite anxiety-inducing. Um, so maybe switch gears a little bit. How does the whereby product help strengthen communication and relationships? I'd like that the company is focused more on the workplace and that separation of personal life and work life but ultimately we want to improve communication and improve trust and collaboration those are things that are important for all companies remote or not you mentioned some interesting things about whereby with the private rooms that everybody gets could you tell us more about how the product helps strengthen communication and relationships mm -hmm. yeah i think our attitude to the product probably is the thing that i think is the most strengthening we don't expect everyone to have face-to-face -face whereby calls every single time they want to communicate about something, which I think is uh, a nice refreshing change from some of the other kind of remote first companies I've worked at before. We've got an app that has an audio only feature. So it's just WhatsApp call or a phone call of any other type where you can just go for a walk and talk at the same time. And then of course you have your whereby room where you can just jump in, send someone a link, be like, hey, if you've got five minutes, jump into my room. If you've got a minute, they knock. I get a little notification mm -hmm. on my Apple watch if someone knocks on my room. So it feels a little bit like an office room, right? I put my calendar and my Slack notifications on like deep focus. And then if I've got an hour break, I'll put it on to my open hours, come and knock on my door if you've got anything to chat about. I'll get a little notification on my watch like, hey, someone's knocking on your door. I can let them in and we can have a quick chat and then they can leave. Um, and it does feel a little bit like you've got like an open door in your office and someone can just duck in and ask you a quick question, which is a nice change than this feeling of you have to constantly be booking slots in to discuss things, which is one of the things about remote yeah. working that I think is a blessing and a curse. It can help you be very efficient in meeting organization. If you're doing a good job of it, you can be very efficient with it, but also it means you lose a little bit of that spontaneity of just being able to like hop in and see what someone's doing because you have to like spin up a Zoom room or create a booking in someone's calendar in three hours or three days time. So whereby it does give you back a little bit of that spontaneity, which is nice. And then all the integrations I think are really helpful too. Being able to have an integration with Miro so you can see each other in real time as you're moving stuff around a Miro board together. All of those things just make the parts about remote working that used to be a little bit cumbersome now feel much more natural and nice. very really easy cool. for us to do. So yeah. you organize your web app with your watch app and maybe a mobile app to like get everything syncing together to have this more holistic communication. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. We try very hard to do record by default as much as possible as well, like recording meetings where people aren't there. My people team is based from Toronto to the Czech Republic and we're not always online and doing things at the same time. We also all work flexible hours. So sometimes the team will be doing a spontaneous meeting and I won't be there because I'll be off going for a walk or a bike ride. 
I'll come back from that and they'll be like, hey, we just had a meeting which you missed out on. It's 10 minutes. You can watch this recording that we made in Whereby. I can just watch the meeting while I'm doing some other work and see what's happening. Cool. You mentioned the voice only note or something? No, so it's just like phone call. It just means you don't have to have a video call with someone else, which is uh, nice. So if someone knocks on my room, if I'm out, I can just answer it on my phone and have a call with them. And they can just be at their desk and I can be out at the shopping center or whatever doing what it's Very cool. Nice. I, I, yeah, I would love to see an async voice note because sometimes it's one more step removed where you don't have to be in the same spot all the time. If you have people in different time zones, that could just be an async yes. voice note and you can have a conversation back and forth. I'm actually working at the moment on a test for interviewing using Whereby. Maybe I, yeah, I'm sure it's fine, but we're working on the test right now, which is one party books uh, half an hour in your calendar and they record the first half of the interview. And then you see in your calendar something pop up saying your Whereby interview. Oh, you wow. click on the link, you can watch their half, you can record your half and then it sends it back to them. So it puts times in your calendar, but they're not at the same time and you can still work together over 24 hours. Yeah, so we're working on that for interviewing right now. I'm doing tests using whereby a series of type forms and stuff like that, so it books in. And I think it looks really interesting. It definitely solves some of the challenges of synchronous interviewing. Um, Very cool. That's interesting. interesting, sure. I wanted to bring back one of your points that you mentioned before about whereby not doing those virtual happy hours. That was the example in my head <sighs> when we always discussing this idea of a hybrid of being a remote worker in your apartment all alone seeing a screen where there's 50 people inside of a kitchen, hanging out, drinking, schmoozing, have a good time, laughing, and you're just sitting there all alone in your apartment. And that, we'll call it you know, the hybrid model, leading to greater exclusion versus inclusion, creating this in-office versus this remote people culture, two conflicting camps. For a team that's going to look to do hybrid, what can they do to ensure that everyone is included? Maybe in these examples of a company wants to do a certain type of engagement event or program, you may have some people that are engaged in a certain way in the office versus remotely, and it's two, two totally different things. Is there the possibility to do them together? Or, or again, what teams can get creative in, in trying to solve this issue? I think what you just said there, you need to be creative is the first thing. I saw this thing happen at the beginning of COVID where lots of HR people or facilities people, or you know, whoever was in charge of the social element started just replacing whatever they did in person with an online version without really paying attention to the fact that I don't actually need online yoga and online drinks and online meetings and online one-to-ones. I would actually really just to have some self-reflection time and just to be away from my computer or go for a walk. I think that's people coming around to this idea of like, oh, actually it's fine for us to get people a yoga pass to do yoga in the park rather than us all having to do yoga together as a team on uh, whereby or on Zoom or on Google Hangouts. I think that same kind of creativity about what is the actual problem we're trying to solve here is the kind of best frame of mind you can come at this from when it comes to inclusion. We don't really do, we don't do virtual happy hours, but we also just don't really do any happy hours. If they catch up in an office somewhere saying like, hey, let's get a drink or a coffee. But when we're getting back to traveling, I imagine that will happen a lot more frequently, right? Like I'll be going to London and bumping into the team there. We've got other members of the team that live in the Netherlands that may come and see each other. So that kind of spontaneous catching up, I'm very big fan of. We don't do any sanctioned all company or all location happy hours. It just doesn't really happen. I think that's something that you should probably avoid doing unless it's going to be everyone in the company can do it together. If you're going to do an all company away day, then great. Of course, definitely do whatever you want to organize. 
but otherwise try and organize things in a way that everyone could attend if they wanted to. That's how I think sanctioned things should happen. So for example, we just did a series of work called a year of growth, which is still ongoing, but we did a bunch of learning programs that were run throughout the week. We tried to run them at times where anybody could make it if they could. So like three in the afternoon is probably really the best that we could do for a lot of our team. So three in the afternoon, we had these learning sessions and we had some in the morning as well. So different people could attend them, but there was no in-person session. We recorded everything. We shared it with everyone. The discussion that happened afterwards, everyone could still participate in and trying to be creative and think is really the best way you could do it. The point that you started with of potentially the real opportunity here to prevent that inclusion versus exclusion, it's any of those engagement opportunities are always remote. So even for people that are in an office and you want to do a yoga day or a yoga lunch, the yoga is never physically inside the office. You're never bringing someone inside the office to, to do yoga. Even those people go outside to the park, stay at home, come in late, do whatever, but don't do it in the office. So that still gives that opportunity where it's still one in theory, doing a yoga session or a lunch or, or something like that remotely and outside of the office. It's very interesting. Yeah, I think this feeling that everything you have to do has to work sanctioned as well as something that I'm seeing die off a bit. Yoga is a good example, right? Like we had in my old company, Wonderbly, on Thursday, they had yoga nights. There was a yoga teacher came into the office and everybody did yoga together. I know a couple of companies that after COVID have started doing online yoga, everyone in the company on Wednesday afternoon at 6 p.m., we do yoga on this Zoom channel, this whereby room. Actually, now I'm finding a lot of people saying, like, why are we doing it? Like, why not just give everyone five, five pound a month class pass voucher and just let them pick what they want to do? We're still getting what they want out of it. And if they want to do it with a peer, they totally can. But we don't need to say you have to do it with a peer. I think that kind of also helps this. The thing I spoke about before, which is like not everyone wants to have all of their social energy come from work. Sometimes you just want to have a small amount of your social energy come from work. So it's funny. It sounds a lot like Scott said before the call, we were talking about the whereby company, how it's pro-hybrid. It sounds a lot like you're not pro-hybrid. It sounds like you're very much a remote first distributed company. And the office space is to give people that flexibility. I, I, I don't know that I could call you a hybrid company, even though you have offices. I don't think I would say we're hybrid. We do have offices, but the vast majority of our team don't work in a whereby sanctioned office. And those that do work pretty flexibly from them um, or <laughs> come right. for lunch, which is actually pretty, one of our offices has l- lunch in there and they all come in for the free food and then they bail, which is fine, but they come in to chat or whatever and do what they need to do. I think. The benefits you get if you're not in the office actually are better. We offer a homeworking stipend or a co-working stipend for everybody. If you're in a city with an office and you choose to go to the office, we actually offer less, right. obviously, because you don't need it. But for those reasons, a lot of people actually said, I'd rather just go into the office on rare occasions and keep the homeworking stipend and do what I need to do. Yeah, uh, this is perfectly in line with Heavy and I both said in the past that the potential value of an office in the future was a place that was exactly said it it's here if you want it it's flexible there's no requirement there's no certain days or hours if you want to come in and have the action of the ping pong tables and have fun with that or you want to come in just to have lunch and socialize with your team for an hour and then go home to actually do work that's the real opportunity for office space going forward so it's awesome to hear that you already have been running with, uh, with that methodology for a while yeah although one of the things that 
I don't know if it could have worked. I, I don't think it could have worked for every company as well as it will now. I think this is kind of presumption, right? That the companies or like the people in charge of the companies were the ones being like, it's impossible. We couldn't have this hybrid kind of flexible workspace. I think for the majority of the time, that's probably true that they were the ones pushing back. But actually in my history, the teams themselves have pushed back pretty heavily on that as well. An example I give is I worked in a previous office where we were moving office locations. We did a lot of research into what kind of office location we wanted to move into. And a lot of us said, there's quite a lot of working from home already. So why don't we just have a more flexible space where there's no set desks, people can sit where they want to, and it can be a, a smaller office footprint and more meeting rooms, more social spaces. The team were furious that we had suggested that they wouldn't have their own desks. What do you mean we don't get our own desk? I want my two screens. No, I don't want someone else sitting at that. I don't want to take my stuff off the desk in the evening. I know a lot of people that have had similar experiences before. So I think there was a lot of pushback from both sides on whether or not this was going to work. And now people have started realizing like, actually, I don't give a shit if I have a desk. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but I don't care if I've got a desk. I just want to have a more flexible life. And I think companies now are starting to obviously come around as well. But I have noticed this trend of like companies have forbidden it. But really, I think it's been people as well saying like they, they didn't want it. I'm curious in the types of people at Whereby, would you say the team is more introverts or extroverts? Is it a mix? Who likes to go to the office is more extroverts? What's the makeup like? Mm. That's a good question. I would say, I'd say we're actually probably more introverts, to be to be fair. I think probably more introverted. Those that go to the office, I, it's honestly just whoever is nearby the office. I don't think that there's any real pattern, to be honest. At the moment, it's hard to know because I think the people that are in the office are people with children, to be honest. They're the ones that kind of need to have a bit more space. Those that don't have a lot of room in their homes right now for various reasons. They've got like, multiple people working from home if they're in a share house, for example. So yeah, I don't think there's a trend necessarily between introverts and extroverts for us. Do you think that, that there are rules or styles that you have to accommodate one or the other more? Or is... I think if I said I, they do what they do and everyone's happy, that probably would be <laughs> boiling the problem down a little bit. You always need to be considering how different people feel and get their energy in various communications. And the same is true whether you're having a fully remote conversation in a room together online and three people are talking and reacting a lot and one person sitting there just trying to soak the information in or whether you're all in a meeting room together and three people are up drawing on the whiteboard and one person sitting down trying to understand what's going on and come to grips with the, the social dynamics so i think that introvert and extrovert kind of personas will always be displayed in different ways and different types of communications. I think there's this other tendency that introverts prefer written communication, but that's also not necessarily true. I'm an outgoing person, but I'm quite introverted in that I don't get my energy from people. I have a whole day of having to constantly be interacting with people. I, I do get very exhausted. I actually find Slack and written communications can take my energy way quicker than like two or three phone calls and walking around. So I think it's more about like being communicative with each other about how we best work and trusting each other and giving that reciprocal flexibility I spoke about before. Just because you prefer meetings all the time that are face-to-face -face doesn't mean everyone else does. So you need to be flexible in how you approach things. I think that flexibility is actually the most important thing above and beyond geographic closeness or anything else. It's being able to treat other people like adults and respect their choices and kind of demand what you need back in a kind of respectful way. So I think the last question that I have, it's we've learned in this episode so far that Whereby is a stereotypical hybrid company, but for companies and leaders who are thinking about having an office and what it's going to be, do you have three pieces of advice that you'd like to share or things that they should be thinking about or considering? 
I think this is kind of a true for everything, but like, don't do something just because you want it. But this is advice I try to give founders very often when I mentor them and talk to them. If you do decide to do something just because you want it, then be prepared to deal with whatever outcomes that, that presents. Maybe that it severely disrupts some of the strategic aims that you had planned ahead of time. But if you decide that you want to put them to one side to focus on building an office, then by all means do it. But just remember what you've put on the chopping block. It also doesn't mean that you need an entirely democratic vote on this either. I know a couple of HR leaders who have said like, did you know three surveys with the team and asked them what they wanted. And now we've got all these different answers coming back and we don't know how to interpret the results. And some people want this and other people this. So we've just decided to go for hybrid because it pleases everyone. It doesn't please everyone, does it? <laughs> it just goes the middle ground. So don't do everything just because you want it, but also do not be afraid of making a decision and then going with it, even if the decision feels slightly polarizing. I don't think hybrid is the middle ground between fully remote and fully in an office. I think it's in some regards actually a dangerous kind of knife to stand upon just because it feels kind of centrist doesn't mean that you're going to have a nice easy time rolling that out so i guess that's the second piece of advice if that even is one make a decision make some rules stick with the rules don't bend and flex there's a saying that we use it whereby sometimes if nobody hates you then you're not doing you're not saying anything so some people will not like what you're saying and that's okay just like any part of your culture if you're just saying everything to make everyone happy then you, you're this amorphous blob that doesn't make any statements it doesn't do anything doesn't believe in anything it's okay to make some people say like this isn't the place for me that's fine. Let's just work out whether that, you know, has any impact for us. And I think the final thing with it is please stop copying what other companies are doing. <laughs> That's probably the one thing is I notice a lot of people coming to me and saying, like, this could be for culture, it can be for compensation, it can be for hiring. Oh, we just did exactly what GitHub does and it doesn't work. I was like, well, not GitHub, are you? You've got a whole bunch of other stuff you want to do. You've got different people, you're trying to hire different goals, different product. What made you think for a million years that just taking GitHub's compensation strategy was going to make your comp work it's like all well and good to take inspiration and look at what other people want to do but exercise your own creativity come up with new solutions that work for you and your team don't just rip other things off and then say remote didn't work for us because i did what github did fantastic questions no thank you for joining us jessica i hoping to get into a debate but it sounds like once again scott has invited only people who agree with him <laughs> onto the show oh i'm sorry we could debate about something else one time it was great to hear your thoughts and ideas on remote working yeah thanks what oh, i'm interested to hear though that we've got like another two minutes what is your thing that you thought your belief that you had that you were ready to fight for so you basically said it already with remote and hybrid. Some people say that they want to have company headquarters, but only require people to come in twice a week. And to me, as you were saying, that's a, it's a tough knife to stand on. It can create so many problems. It's not even a compromise. When Scott said you want to get more off it, we'd get some good, good arguments going. But I, I agree 100%. It's good to have a space for people to go where they feel comfortable working. Yeah. For many reasons, people don't necessarily work well at home. I think that's the spirit of remote. Totally. I think trust as well. It's one of the biggest things. I think trusting your employees and trusting your team and trusting your colleagues for some reason still feels so radical, but like, <laughs> why? If you're trusting someone yeah. with a $100,000 marketing budget, why can't you trust them to do their work at, at home? Exactly. Question. <laughs> so Jessica, again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your fantastic wisdom and insights. Everybody, until the next episode, have a great day. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning into today's episode of Leading From Afar. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can learn more on our website, leadingfromafar.com, and subscribe to the podcast in your favorite app. This podcast is all about you, the remote leaders. 
We'd love to hear from you with your feedback or ideas for future topics and remote leaders we should be speaking with. Mm-hmm.